Welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. I'm Tyler Orton. And I'm Haley Wooden. And this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Haley, what is catching your eye when it comes to business news this uh, past few days? Well, it's the question of whether we are in a bubble. And it's one we've asked before regarding real estate in Vancouver and Toronto. I think the jury's traditionally been out. Some people will say yes. Others will say, well, what do you mean by bubble? And no, we're not in one. Sure. I I think totally valid. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there's a a new report out from UBS Group AB. They do a lot of research related to real estate, and they found that Toronto and Vancouver, they're in dangerous bubble territory. Toronto, actually at the top of the list of cities in the world most at risk of experiencing a housing bubble and one where there's a big price correction. Vancouver's fourth, Stockholm, Munich, Sydney, also in between. So it's uh, more fuel to the fire, so to speak, or the arguments that we might see uh, housing market corrections in Vancouver and Toronto. Interestingly, the report notes that it's a combination of the strong loony, skyrocketing house prices uh, that have come back down a little bit in Vancouver, but have been very strong in Toronto, as well as rising interest rates that are sort of creating a bit of a perfect storm, meaning we're, uh, we're at risk of seeing a housing bubble and correction. Yeah. The one thing that did happen, though, this week is that Bank of Canada came out and, well, did not raise uh, Mm -hmm. the benchmark rate, which a lot of people are wondering about. And I think they have to ease into that because, like you said, what happens if there's some sort of economic shock or interest rates go way up? A lot of people, I think especially a lot of first-time buyers, are going to be left in a very precarious situation where they're going to be financially strained just trying to pay down their mortgage because these are rates – that we've never seen before, really, in modern Canadian history. No, exactly. And they're still very, very low. And I think your point about the economic shock is an important one. The market, to a large extent, can absorb interest rate hikes by 25 basis points. We're now up uh, 50 basis points after those two hikes. But it's if there's some other external factor that means there are layoffs and people can then no longer afford mortgages that are you know, maybe increasing in size on properties that potentially lose a lot of value. So yeah, that's, perfect, that's the risk. Perfect example, though, is the oil shock that we experienced in 2014. Look yeah. at what happened with Alberta. You know, if you look at a lot of people just going into maybe uh, bankruptcy protection because uh, they cannot uh, afford these, you know, six-figure salaries yeah. at this point and, and afford the previous lifestyle that they had. Yeah, no, that was devastating. Alberta coming out of it to some extent, but still seeing the impact of it years on. Well, what's catching my eye? uh, Ottawa and Netflix just officially announced today. We're uh, recording this on Thursday, uh, September 28th, I believe, that uh, we will be getting a bit of a Netflix Canada production company launched here. Uh, $500 million over the next five years will be going towards Canadian content. This is an effort to, I guess, stave off attempts to tax Netflix services. Netflix does not want to have to be able to uh, be subject to some sort of a consumption tax. They're willing to just hand over uh, a half a billion dollars Canadian in order to produce Canadian content. It's kind of a win-win scenario. Netflix is obviously getting away with something here. I think the Canadian government can point to the fact that they've you know squeezed this company for some money. Mm-hmm. Uh, Netflix have got a big budget behind them. I don't think they're going to sneeze at this. If it's just $100 million a year, I think they can uh, easily digest that particular pill. Yeah, it's not bad. And it's cheaper money too. It's cheaper to film record in Canada. The loonies strengthening, as we mentioned earlier, but still it, it can be a good deal for a lot of these companies. It'll be neat to see what they choose to produce here if we'll see 
new shows or existing programs. I don't know. Well, it's going to be specifically Canadian content, like developed here within Canada. But there's a lot of question marks about this. Uh, who exactly is going to be getting this money? They want to set up this company called Netflix Canada that is essentially mm-hmm. going to function as a production company. So, you know, I, I just wonder how many storytellers, for example, are going to be able to go in and pitch ideas, get, you know, local Canadian content produced. Or I don't know if it's is it going to be a bit of the same old, same old, like more Anne of Green Gables remakes, more right. of those like CBC comedies that not even my grandma finds to be funny, <laughs> you know, so that, that yeah. a lot of question marks about what this Netflix Canadian content is going to be. I'll say this, though. What if it's great content? I, I, I yeah. Forgive me if I'm offending some people there, but there's only like maybe five or six Canadian uh, dramatic series or comedies that I actually think are like legit good. The rest, yeah. I'm just like, oh dear, that's um, I don't know, guys. But <laughs> we know that we have people in the service industry capable of producing stuff. We have talent, that, yeah. So if it's good enough, what I'm getting at is I, I think that you know, Canadian this Canadian content could you know grip people overseas we'll get that you know distribution platform for netflix from netflix we, we could have a lot more of a kind of canadian culture going across the pond for example and honestly i think canada it's kind of got that cool factor at this point yeah, in history right now so there you have it i think it's fair to say companies like netflix you can throw amazon in there too they're interested in creating really good quality content they need it that's what you know often is a determining factor between subscribing to one or the other. So whatever they produce, I have to think it's going to raise the bar. But whether it seems sort of quintessentially Canadian, I don't know. It might seem very different than some of the shows we've seen in the past. But you know what? A lot of the traditional broadcast networks, they had some success just a few years ago by producing these very generic sort of procedurals yeah. like uh, what was it like uh, Flashpoint and Rookie Blue those kinds of things where it, it could have been in any town across North America and they would give tiny little hints that maybe it mm-hmm. took place in Toronto yeah it's not like Anna Green Gables or Corner yeah. Gas which are yeah the, a whole essentially other... <laughs> Canadian right yeah. parts of Canada anyway. yeah but one of the programs that I did like that was quintessentially Canadian, but actually I think stood up was, I, I don't know if you're familiar with, say, Da Vinci's Inquest or mm. Da Vinci's City Hall or Intelligence, all from uh, Chris Haddock, who's a local storyteller here. Uh, just legit great shows. And it was Vancouver splashed all over it. It was always about Vancouver. It was about how the city runs, the dysfunction it was an amazing program, and I think that's kind of the stuff that we need. Like, just be unabashedly Canadian, but make sure the quality's there. I, I think yeah. it's a fantastic opportunity, but it just needs to be put in the right hands. The, the people that have, I think, enough juice in the industry to make it great. And the platform. Yes. Right? And Netflix, perfect platform. This podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing a expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. If you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, give Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors a call at 604-714-3600. That's 604-714-3600. Or else check them out on their website at manningelliot.ca. 
Haley, anything else catching your eye this week? Yeah, well, anyone who's been paying attention to the airline industry has probably seen the news dominated with uh, headlines about Bombardier and Boeing and their international spat. That seems They're all to getting develop. along just dandy, oh, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I mean, it's it's really gone international. You have the, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, Theresa May, weighing in. It's, it's a big, big issue, and there's lots to discuss. But what I actually want to focus on is a maybe more positive story in the airline space, and that's WestJet finally unveiling its low-cost air carrier. It's called Swoop. What do you you make of that from a brand-new perspective? (laughs) I, I, I saw the logo. I saw the name. I, I, I'm You're swooping in with low deals. I don't it's know. Distinct. It's distinct. I'll give distinct. them that. I no, but yeah, go on, Haley. I, I liked. I I was a fan of Canada Air or something. There was this uh, around April Fools earlier this year. I think someone put it out there. They're going to rebrand it. Canada Air. Or yeah, WestJet. Yeah, was going to yeah. be Canada Air. And yeah. a, a lot of people were like, "Hey, WestJet, <laughs> that's really confusing because there's Air Canada." The problem with, and this is why I think it was a big marketing <laughs> fail and not particularly funny and i even tweeted WestJet about this but uh they posted this a couple days before april fools yeah because i think april fools is like on a sunday or something and they're posting this on like a thursday or friday it has to be on april 1st yeah and before uh, noon i think it doesn't work yeah. like i think that really fell flat yeah it did it didn't resonate anyway yeah. so anyway. here they have swoop and we'll see whether that resonates i certainly do picture sort of swooping in deals sort of yeah wait a minute I have a theory. What if they're getting an even bigger head start on April Fool's this go around? <laughs> this is not actually going to be, uh, you know, their new brand. It's just going to be a joke, essentially. This is their MO. They do come out early uh, <laughs> when yeah. it comes to April Fool's. So who knows? But as we see it now, it's called Swoop. It'll launch June next year. Flights on sale It's expected in February and going to be a direct competitor with some of the other low-cost carriers we have in Canada, Flair Air being one. Um, Jetline's also expected to launch next year, although that's one that's being delayed time and again. So, Not a bad problem to have if there's more competition going on in the airline industry. Uh, Speaking of transportation, I want to bring up Uber. Uh, We still don't have like ride-sharing services here in Mm -hmm. British Columbia. I I think it's going to be a long time until they do come around. I'm skeptical it'll be around well, even by next year. We'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. I don't think it's a top priority for this new government. That said, uh, Uber, a bit on a, a bit of an apology tour that we're experiencing right now. The new CEO after uh, the London Transportation Authority rescinded their license to operate, um, this new CEO said, I'm sorry. Didn't really specify what he was sorry about, but he says, eh, we know Uber can do better. The authority has been concerned, obviously, about uh the slowness with which maybe Uber reports assaults, etc. Uh, the other thing that's going on right now is Quebec is saying, you guys are going to have to hightail it if there's no uh, better regulations. So I, we're seeing a bit of a, an Uber backlash from jurisdictions that are pushing back against it. So I know that you know people think eh, British Columbia very far behind when it comes to implementing this sort of stuff. I would say that if BC is taking a regulations approach First, I, that kind of makes sense if you look at what's happening across other jurisdictions. Yeah, well, I know in Montreal, Uber's threatening to leave, and that would leave a lot of customers, understandably, maybe upset if they've gotten used to this pilot program they've run, uh, having something and then you know seeing it disappear, speaking of transportation options. So it does make sense to maybe try and figure out regulations, have all parties agree to them with the understanding this is what it's going to be like 
on a longer term scale as opposed to maybe figuring something out for a year. Everyone gets used to it. And then you're faced with either having to pull the plug or change yeah. things. And, you know, inevitably people are going to be unhappy. I just would not look for uh, BC to be the swift adopter. They're already not in this situation. It's going to be a bit of a long road, I think, before Uber actually comes into this province. Yeah, I agree. Well, this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accounts and Business Advisors. Haley, if anybody wants to find you online, where should they go? They can connect with all of our reporters at BIV.com. Check out business news there and they can connect with me via Twitter or Instagram. My handle is at Haley Wooden. I'm at Reporting and I want to thank everybody for listening to the Business in Vancouver podcast. 